Good morning. Uh, if this is your first time at Grace, a special welcome to you. Um, if this is your first time, or maybe you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, um, just get, let me kind of catch you up. We'll do a little review for a minute. Um, as John said, we are doing a series on suffering. This is uh, part four. This is the final message on uh, on that subject. We started out the series by tackling a question that is just, man, it's huge. How could a loving God allow all the suffering to take place in this world. And uh, we wrestled with that. We looked at what the Bible had to say about that. And uh, one of the things that we kind of grappled with was the idea that actually God's will isn't always being done here on this earth, contrary to a lot of times popular understanding. But if you look at the Lord's Prayer, and we looked at that, that here's Jesus praying that the, that the Father's will would be done here on earth as it is being done in heaven. And so um, we wrestled with that. And probably the most uh, controversial thing we looked at was some scriptures that show us that the devil is actually the one who is in temporary control of this world. And not that that in any way diminishes God's omnipotence. He is still all-powerful and ultimately sovereign over heaven. So in the end, everything will be made right. But for now... There is an evil one who is in temporary control of this world. And so we looked at that in week one. And then in weeks two and three, we talked about, so what can we do? How do we fight back? What can be done um, to, to, to take the power back a little bit against suffering? And um, I think Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 13, really just kind of sum up nicely the last uh, three weeks or so. So I, wanna, I want to read that to you guys. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Let's pray. God, um, we are just here um, seeking your will. Uh, Lord, we're just asking that you would speak to us this morning. God, this is a very heavy subject, this subject of suffering. And uh, Lord, just continue to show us what we can do to partner with you to fight back. In Christ's name, amen. So there we see um, in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're supposed to put on this armor and we're supposed to go into battle against all the evil and all the suffering that's going on in this world. The next few verses there in Ephesians go on to describe six different pieces of the armor. And they give us, they're, they're symbolic of different things that we can do. And I want to zero in on one in particular, and that's found in verse 14. It says, to stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, when I first looked at that, I didn't really, to be honest with you, have any idea what that exactly meant. I mean, does that mean we put on this breastplate of righteousness and we're just these really righteous people, you know, with these, we're just super, super morality and, you know, we're just holy people. Is that, is that what the breastplate of righteousness means? And uh, I, I gave you uh, another scripture of Isaiah looking a little bit at the context of, of what God is saying there. And, and really more specifically, what the breastplate of righteousness, you can think about it. This will help you. Does it really help me? Is you can think of righteousness in the sense of being just or doing, um, seeking justice. And so I think of it in terms of the breastplate of justice. 
in this context. And so what we are called to do in this battle is to seek justice, to put on the breastplate of justice and go into battle. And God seems to be pretty darn clear who we're supposed to seek justice for. If you read through the Bible, where God is talking about bringing justice, there's clearly a group of people that God has in mind. And you might have heard this before, but I don't want you to miss this. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of verses in the Bible along these lines. I just have three for you, but they're found all over. The Bible is loaded with them. See if you can pick up the theme of who we're supposed to seek justice for. Isaiah 117, learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Proverbs 31.9, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Psalm 82, 3 and 4, give justice to the poor and the orphan, uphold the rights of the poor, I mean, excuse me, uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute, rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. So it's pretty clear. And there, I mean, just there's so many verses along these lines. It's pretty clear that when God is speaking to us about putting on this breastplate of justice, that the particular people he has in mind are the poor, the widows, the orphans, the marginalized, the oppressed. Okay? And, and as I've been studying this week, that was just so clearly evident to me that when we seek justice, we fight injustice, this is the group of people that we're supposed to be fighting for, advocating for, loving on. And I got to tell you, that, that piece was plain as day for me. But I had a tremendous struggle this week in, so how do we do that? So how, how does that happen? What does that look like? And, you know, I mean... Uh, Josh, who is, uh, he's our missions coordinator on staff. I mean, I borrowed a ton of books from him and we had all sorts of conversations. And, you know, I'd, I'd found all these like cool stories and passages and illustrations. I mean, I had it all laid out. I had my whole outline ready to go. And last night I'm, I'm running through kind of doing my final checkoff and it just didn't, it just didn't get the sense that's what God wanted me to say. None of that really felt like that's what God wanted me to say this morning. And so I kind of scrapped that. And uh, God just kind of impressed upon me, you need to just speak from the heart about, um, about your experience and what you've learned. And so the last couple of scriptures you're going to see there, you can just, that'll be just for fun, extra credit, whatever. Don't worry about those. Um, because basically, I'm just going to share a little bit of my heart with you guys around this area. I am so passionate about missions. Uh, I think Josh has the world's greatest job in the world. Um, he gets to do this full time. I'm very jealous of him. Um, but basically, I just want to share a couple things. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, in, back in 2005, um, um, there was a group of us from Grace who had the chance to go down to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And uh, we were going down there because as a church, we had been supporting for a number of years before that, we had been supporting financially a couple that we'd heard about um, who they had three biological children. And then what they did was um, they just had a real heart for kids who are living on the streets of Sao Paulo, which is a really, really uh, tough place to be. And uh, they just opened up their home, and they brought in a few kids and actually adopted them. And then they adopted a few more kids. And then, then, then they started to kind of, word started to spread that, that, that they, could, they were doing this sort of thing. And so just it seemed like, you know, a couple kids at a time, a couple kids at a time. And before you knew... Back in 2005, when, when we were getting ready to go down, they had adopted 23 
kids off the streets of Brazil, kids who had been abused, neglected, abandoned. And I'm not talking like, I mean, kids that, you know, just clean them up in a couple of days and they're good. I'm talking about like kids with fetal alcohol syndrome and, uh, you know, all sorts of, I mean, just deep stuff going on. And um, so as you can imagine, if you think about where you're living right now, think about your living space, uh, and then think about bringing 23 kids into that space, uh, you can imagine that at some point there came the need for an addition to the house. Okay, so um, we caught wind of this and we were, man, we were just dying to find a way to like go in and serve, you know, just to go in and, and love these and encourage them. And so we heard, oh, man, you're putting an addition on. We're coming down, you know, here we come, put a group together. You know, we were all excited. They were excited. You know, so there are about 12 of us. We go down and get on a plane and uh, we get down there. And to my dismay, when we get there. Like, there've been all these delays in the construction process, and like, it's just the ground, and they don't have the materials, and and we don't have we don't have anything to do. And I'm just, I'm, you guys, I just start to freak out, you know, because I hear about how, you know, I meet the, they're so great. I meet all the kids, and I just, does anybody else feel that? I I just wanted to do something. I just, I needed to get my hands on something and just do, you know what I'm saying? And so. Um, we said, what, we, well, what, what, else, what else is there to do? You know, we want to bless you. And they said, great, just hang out with us. You know, just, just play with the kids and, and hang out and get to know us and it'll be wonderful. And they were really laid back. And I was like, oh, no, but we got to do, you know, we got to do something. And so we brainstormed some things and we came up with all these projects. And we cleaned out their big water tank that they, that they had on the side. There's a massive thing. And we actually went and, and found where they, they like had all these tiles, roof tiles that had been donated. And we went and, and got all those tiles and we scrubbed them. It took a couple days with our team doing that. And they even had this little field next to their house. And like we, cl- we cleared that field by hand, by hand. Okay. I mean, and, and so we came up, we kind of cobbled together this list of projects and I came back feeling great, you know, just feeling like, man, I got to do something. I got to make a difference. You know, just, I felt a little bit like in some small way I was fighting that injustice. You know, I was, I was making a difference in the lives of those kids and, and somehow just kind of just giving them a little blessing. And uh, so that, you know, that was great until the phone rang um, a few months later. And uh, the phone rings and uh, it was uh, one of the women from our trip named Kelly and she said, Derek, I got a few things I need to tell you. Um, I've been talking to Anna, who is the mother. And uh, she said, she's way too sweet to tell you this directly, but I need to let you know kind of what's going on. She said, basically, here's the deal. I love Kelly because she just would shoot me straight. And so she said, look, they really appreciate all the things that we've been coming down and doing. But um, that's stuff that really they could kind of do on their own. And um, really, like what they really wanted us to do was to hang out with them. They really just wanted us to just play with the kids and get to know them and love them. And, you know, they just wanted, you know, she said, Anna and Mazzino, it's a pretty lonely job, you know? I mean, they're pretty, they got all these kids, but they're really isolated. They don't have other kind of adults who they can share and talk about some of this stuff. They just, they just want to know us as a church and they just want to build a relationship with us and just to, to just have that encouragement that comes with that. They, they just want us to go down and, and spend time with them. I hung up the phone and I just went, wow. Wow. That was amazing to me. I mean, here I was 
and I, I, my intentions were totally pure. You know, all I wanted to do was to, was to fight against some of the evil and to try and right some of the wrongs that had been done for all these kids. And I went down there with the greatest intentions, you guys. And uh, what I realized is that I had made all these assumptions. And that word, you know what they say about when you assume what it does. Okay? It's so right on point. Okay? Um, I had assumed that I knew what I could do. I had assumed that I already knew the kind of skills that I'd be able to bring to the table and how I'd be able to be a blessing for them. And even though I was asking lots of questions, what can we do and how can we help, those questions were still driven by my assumptions about the type of thing. I was looking for tasks, looking for projects. And that was not at all um, the number one thing that was needed. And so I just, sharing my heart, my experience, for me, the, the most effective thing that I can do or one of the greatest ways in terms of how do we actually do this is by checking my assumptions at the door. Because we all bring a list of assumptions with us and those assumptions drive our actions. Our assumptions drive our actions. And so we just have to be mindful that we're always bringing assumptions, especially living in this country. What a blessing it is to live in this country. John reminds me of that all the time because I was born in England. What a blessing it is for you to live in this country. Um, but, um, you know, we can get in this mindset living here that we kind of, it's not, I don't want to call it arrogance. I mean, it's really just a confidence. It's a boldness. We kind of know, you know, and when we go other places, we bring that. Like, we got this stuff figured out. We know how to do life, you know. And, uh, and we've just got to be so careful with that, checking our assumptions. I want to invite uh, Josh uh, Joshua Hatter, where are you? Come here, buddy. Um, if you guys could give him a welcome, that'd be great. Um, one of the things that uh, I love about Josh is he really helps me and uh, the rest of us to, to really check our assumptions at the door when it comes to missions. Josh coordinates uh, all of our missions uh, efforts here at Grace, and uh, he just loves to ask questions. In fact, sometimes he can drive you a little crazy because he questions everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we love you for that, though. It's good. Um, anyway, Josh is a little sick, so, so bear with him. Don't get too close to him today. But um, one of the things that I just think is really powerful is when you um, take a group down, particularly to try and figure out how, how we can serve, um, you do these reconnaissance trips, you have this, this, little thing that you, this little thing that you want everyone to be mindful of. Tell us a little bit about what that is. All right. Uh, good morning. Uh, so we have these we have these things called L's. Uh, we have five L's, and three of them that we pay uh, a lot of attention to. Uh, the first one is listen, second one is learn, and the third one is love. Um, and then we'll get to the other two in a second. Um, and these are more when, when we really pay attention to these are kind of on the recon trips, like the trips we take before we take a big group down. And the purpose of it is so we don't do this assumption thing, which we are really good at, especially myself. Um, but the, the, the listening part is crucial because we've gone down there in the past and, uh, you know, we've built homes and we've built a school and we're like, oh, they're loving this, like, you know, just because we think that they're loving it. And then at one point, like, I started asking questions and they're like, you know, the school's great. Uh, we, don't, we don't have clean water. Like, we don't have drinking water. And and the school's great, and we don't have drinking water, and we, we don't know anything about nutrition or hygiene. Like, we, we know we're feeding our kids the wrong stuff, uh, but we don't know what we're supposed to feed them. 
Um, and so that was like a huge uh, kind of a turning point, at least for me. I was like, wow, we've got this thing. Like, here I have been assuming that we're kind of doing the right thing. Uh, so there's a great, uh, if you just open your ears a little bit and you start to learn and listen, um, listen and learn, uh, and then love. And then one of the other things that we didn't talk about this morning, um, but on, especially on this last trip we were down there, uh, with a hand, there's down in Mexico. Down right? in Mexico. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Sorry, Nyquil. Um, <laughs> I didn't have Dayquil. <laughs> we don't recommend that. Um, so on this last trip down in Mexico, we were hanging out with some of the families that we were friends with, and we were asking them all kinds of questions. And we were really like, we were really trying to listen and learn. And we kind of flew right by. I'd kind of in Spanish, and so I speak a little bit. There was a couple girls with us that spoke really good Spanish, and they're just going back and forth. But what I started to pick up on was that when uh, the people in Mexico would ask us questions about our lives, we'd give them this really quick, brief answer, and then we'd go right back into kind of grilling them about their lives. And we were totally missing the mark on, they actually wanted to know about us. And like, we didn't, you know, that's another assumption that like, we just want to hear about, them. but they, they want to know us and they want to be kind of on an equal playing field. And that's kind of where like the loving comes involved is when you take the us at, we have this assumption that like, this is, should be all about them, but then it ultimately comes back to be a little bit about us. Mm, yeah, no, you're, you're so right. Um, tell us about those last two L's. All right. Yeah. The last two is, uh, let God work in you, um, which of course is, is, pretty powerful just be really open to god uh to working in you in those whispers that you kind of hear or those feelings like whether it's in mexico or in appalachia or just down the street when people are asking you for money like i think we've all experienced this where we see maybe somebody kind of asking for money and and there are certain times i think where we really feel like oh we should do it Mm -hmm. um and then at least for me like i'm like sorry buddy um but just really letting god speak to us i don't I mean, I can go on about that topic, but just really being a, paying attention and letting God work through you. And the last one is letting yourselves receive. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, we have a really hard time receiving in the in the U.S. I I think we do. At least I do. Whether it's from friends or family who are trying to help us out, um, and then especially when we go on these trips and we go into impoverished areas. Uh, you take away power, you take away a lot of things uh, like self-worth and value from people when, when you don't accept things that they are trying to, to give to us. Um, and giving is such a powerful thing. I mean, biblically speaking, it's better to give than receive. Um, and if we're not letting other people give to us, then we're just chopping that off. And, and I, think that's a, I think that's a no-no. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it goes it's go back to those, those assumptions that we make. You know, about what, I mean, it sounds like in those cases, there's a need to be able to give back to us. And so, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, So when you, um, I I love kind of, um, when you take groups down and they do have a task, you know, when there is a set task to to build a school or there's a certain defined project. I I love how you kind of, the, the night before, the morning of, how you kind of make sure that priorities are in line. You talk about the most important thing that we'll do. Could you kind of leave us with that as your as a parting shot sure um so when we go down to mexico or when we go to appalachia or we go on these certain trips there's generally something for us to do like build a school or build a home or repair a home um and i try to continually stress leading up to the trip uh in the entire time that we're there that that task whatever that task is whether it's the school the house 
whatever, is a far distant second priority to the first priority, which is uh, getting to know, learning, and loving, and listening on the people that were around there. If we're so focused on uh, our number two project, then we totally cut out uh, the relationships that, um, and the people that, that we should be loving on and sharing God's love with. Mm. Good stuff, man. We really appreciate you giving us a little window into uh, what you do, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, Josh. <clears throat> we are um, really fortunate to have uh, Josh on staff and just really helping us to stay focused and to check our assumptions and to challenge us. Uh, if you've never done um, a, a missions type of experience at Grace, I really encourage you to do it. Um, one of the things that when Josh and I were talking and I asked him what was so encouraging to you, what's been most encouraging to you about since you've come on staff? And he said, you know, it's, it's, the, it's that everyone's so eager to jump in, but it's also that they're willing to kind of go a little deeper and ask those tough questions and wrestle with, you know, are we being as effective as possible? Are we really meeting those deeper needs? And so I just encourage you. It's, it's not going to necessarily be the easiest thing in the world. At times, you know, checking your assumptions and being willing to listen and learn is very humbling. It can be awkward and uncomfortable at times. It can totally put you out of your comfort zone, but it is a tremendously rewarding experience in the way that, that God will speak to you if you're open to that. So I just, I really encourage you to, if you if you haven't done something uh, at Grace Missions Wise, like jump in and, and give something a shot. Um, and if you enjoy this type of, if this kind of conversation and this whole idea of like going deeper and trying to figure out how are we really helping, how are we really fighting the suffering, are we really doing the best thing, um, I, I encourage you, we have a, an adult Sunday school class that we have started, and it actually, I think starting next week, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, well, it's still at the 1030 service next week, and then I think we're going to jump to the 11 o'clock service, uh, but basically it's at 1030, it's just in a room uh, right up the stairs here, and you can jump in, it's 45 minutes of discussion, and the book that we're using, I was reading a lot of it this past week, but it's called, um, I can't remember it again. When helping hurts and talking about how we really effectively uh, helping and serving others. So um, I encourage you to, to check that out if that's something that interests you. Um, so again, I, you know, I kind of had this whole thing put together of how I thought that it was going to go. And then last night, uh, God just seemed to be taking me in a different direction with what I felt like he wanted me to share. And so I just kind of want to leave you with a last, last thing that's just right from my heart. And that is... Um, that when we think about all the evil and the suffering, uh, there, you know, it's great. We can get involved missionally, and we definitely want to encourage you to do that. But there's also something you can do just on a personal level, on an individual level, just you yourself. And was, what I was thinking about is, you know what? We all know someone who's suffering. We all have someone in our lives who's just going through it right now, who's just absolutely in the trenches, in battle. And, you know, I'll just tell you for myself, sometimes those people that are really in the trenches, they're not the easiest people for me to, to want to reach out to. It's, it's not always convenient. It's not always exciting. It might be a little bit draining or whatever. But, um, but God clearly tells us in his word that we're supposed to seek justice for the poor, the widow, the orphan among us. Those who are suffering, those who are hurting, we're supposed to go and love them. And so what I want to encourage you this morning is to think about who is that person in your life? Who's that person? We all have someone who's just going through it right now. How could you bless them today? 
How could you just encourage them? How could you love them? And maybe you take those first three L's with you, you know, in your mind. Check your assumptions about what you think they need. And maybe just go in and just listen, learn, and love. So I just want to encourage you, think about what you could do today to just be a blessing to somebody. And in in a small way, if we all do that, we will be taking a bite out of injustice and in the evil that's in this world. Let's pray. God, um, it's been quite a journey these last four weeks, talking about suffering. It's a a deep topic. Uh, Lord, um, I just pray you'd help us all to see clearly ways that we could be involved in the fight against suffering and evil and injustice. Show us the steps we can take and give us the wisdom and the humility to go about it the right way. In Christ's name, amen.